by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling it is time right now for the 2018 season premiere edition of In the Garden with Peter Burke. That's right, In the Garden with Peter Burke. Today brought to you by The Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full service florist with over 40 greenhouses in Colchester. Online at Clausen's.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. By Grow Compost, compost, soil, mulches, and expert garden advice on Route 2 in Waterbury. Online at GrowCompost.com. By PR Lumber, your complete local lumber store right there on Route 15 in Wolcott. By Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and more on Route 302 in Barry. Also, Taste of the North online at tasteofthenorth.com. In the Garden this year brought to you also by Linda's Apparel. Bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around on Main Street in Virgins. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, and great selection on Route 302 in Barry. And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more on Route 2 in Montpelier. And what a pleasure to welcome to the microphone once again, Peter Burke. <laughs> hey, Joel. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be back. Boy, you can imagine. It's just uh, terrific to be back from that long, cold winter. Well, actually, it was a long, cold spring, really. Um, I still have uh, snow on parts of my garden. I thought, I thought, uh, I thought mud season would never end. <laughs> it still well, hasn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And after that last rain and all the rest, uh, we got a little greasy on the back roads where I live, too. But, uh, yeah, how exciting. It's time to garden again. We're back in the garden, and uh, uh, there's, um, uh, there's so much to do, even now, today. Uh, people say, oh, you can't really start gardening now, uh, and I, I disagree. I would say it is time to start gardening. Well, we know you garden in February. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, we we yeah, could but, talk about that as well. But, but. Uh, that's in the comfort of my kitchen, there. so it's a little different, but... Uh, but there's, um, you know, there's there's so many things to do, and I have a list of garden chores for the early season, and um, you know, I think they'll probably all be familiar to you and to most most everybody else. But before we get into that, first of all, I'd like to thank our sponsors uh, that uh, Joel just listed. That's really um, so great that they're that they support us, and uh, I'd, I would like to invite all of you, 
to call in anytime with any kind of a question having to do with the garden. And um, a lot of times, if I can't answer it or Joel doesn't have a clue, a lot of times your question goes out on the air and other people will call in and, and uh, take a stab at it or let you know how they solved the problem or they'll scratch their head and maybe we'll have uh, an answer next week too. So uh, please call in with your questions uh, or comments. Yeah, 802 uh, is the, the local number, mm-hmm. 244-1777. Same set of numbers for all our talk shows. And uh, toll free from anywhere, mm-hmm. 877-291-8255. <laughs> and I might mention that uh, if, uh, if uh, you have friends and uh, people out of the area, we are streaming worldwide at wdevradio.com. That's right. That's right. And um, it's interesting. They're they're adding something new this year. Um, They're going to uh, have a a podcast of each show um, uh, online at at Radio Radio Vermont on the website there. And then uh, I am recording uh, just a, a small short tips on how to garden and you know the different things that I find interesting and those will be on there um, as well as sort of a separate section so um, if ever you just want to go through those and and uh, um, go through the what I call the garden basics or how to grow salads or you know all all types of different uh, things succession planting which I think is so cool um, grid planting, which I cover. So there's, uh, there'll be another section there, and those will be podcasted as a separate part, uh, separate from the, the show. And then you can listen to the show in your whatever time works for you, just like a lot of pe- people do with their broad, you know, with podcasts. Do you listen to any podcasts, Joel? I, I just started. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I just started to, you know, found a couple uh, here, there, and thither, and I did miss a couple of Dave Graham programs that I wanted to mm-hmm. catch. Yep. And, uh, and I tell you, our tech guy, is do, uh, Dylan, is doing a terrific job yep. because those podcasts are very useful. You know, if you're tied up, uh, people are busy here on a Saturday, and, of course, during Dave's program and other programs here on WDEV, uh, if there's a podcast available, you can listen to it at your own discretion and i'm suddenly learning that uh, we're not just totally limited by the time of broadcast so old yeah. dogs can learn new tricks <laughs> well I'll, uh that's a good thing <laughs> this old dog has learned a few new tricks and this is one of them the the podcasts are coming and and uh, well it's interesting because you know with the tv you can record something on the dvr or you know or uh on a video or you know some some way you can record it and watch it later and a lot of times that's the way we used to watch tv when we when we uh, used to watch tv um so it's great this is a part of the radio show that you can go back and you can uh, listen to and and i i agree there's a one show on the one david graham show that i i wanted to go back and listen to and uh, for a lot of times it's like what was the name of that book what was yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean because <laughs> uh, i really enjoy listening to uh, people talk about the different books that they really enjoy and of course you know uh Probably the the founder of our show, uh, Ed Smith's book, uh, the the Vegetable Growth Bar- Bible, um, is a book that if you don't have, you should have, and um, or you should read because I know it's in the library, and uh, that's a an absolutely terrific book. If you talk about uh, 
um, not only just great pictures, but just incredible. It is a, it's a Bible. It's, it's a, an encyclopedia of, of so many different things. And shout out to Ed that, and thank you for that hard work. And, and, uh, that's just a great book. Even with his acreage, he also has uh, not only a great, great system for container growing, mm-hmm. but uh, his other book, The Vegetable Gardener's Container Bible, oh, yeah, super. is, is yeah. becoming more and more of an important part of my life because oh. uh, some of my tomatoes are growing on the back deck now. Or will be. <laughs> yeah. They were last year. And it, it's um, and, and you make a good point there is that the container gardening is not an either-or at all. And uh, I think that's the one thing that Ed used to emphasize is that he, he went ahead and he grew things on uh, uh, in containers as well as his regular garden. So, yeah, both of those books are well worth, uh, well worth a read. And, and uh, I, I have uh, typical copies of both. Um, and, uh, and then my, my other book, which has sort of been my Bible since 1981, is uh, Mel Bartholomew's book, uh, Square Foot Gardening, and then the revised edition that came out in 2005. And um, that's been, well, that's, that's where I think I learned the, uh, uh, the garden basics. I mean, um, that, I, that I sort of uh, hold close to my garden, uh, my garden technology. And, uh, and that's just a great book. You, can, you cannot lose. And one of the best illustrated uh, illustrations of grid planting, which is a, is a huge uh, space saver uh, for the gardener. And uh, for me, it's, uh, I sort of, uh, I see gardening as n- n- not just uh, guard farming light or, or, or small-scale farming, but it's a, it's a technique um, all of its own. It's an art form all of its own, you know. Um, and the, the gardener gets to do things that a farmer really uh, can't do. And so we can, um, you know, we can have things like permanent beds and permanent pathways. And those are the two basics that I find that is real important in a garden is to not walk on your beds, uh, not compact them. Uh, and on the other hand, not to run over them as much as possible with a rototiller. They keep the soil structure and that's why I call it a permanent bed. That to me is, the, is, is garden central, the first and foremost most important part um, I know there's a lot of people that, that still use regular row planting and, and rototill, but I can guarantee you that you will grow a lot more and a lot less space with a lot less work if you just, um, you know, change over to permanent beds and uh, permanent pathways. It makes a huge difference in, in, uh, in the work in the work. Now it's interesting because, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of people about gardening and, and, uh, I noticed that a lot of the older people think, Oh, gardening, I hate it so much. I was a kid. I had to weed forever and, you know, hours and hours of out there laboring in, in, and their memory of the garden is, is more having to do with the, the hard work of it. So, uh, permanent beds, permanent pathways really does eliminate a lot of that hard backbreaking work of weeding. And, and so, you know, have, sort of having a, a lazy tendency to my, you know, <laughs> myself, uh, I, I like the, um, I like the, the easy way to garden. So, um, let's see, 
having said all that and and probably getting carried away a little bit uh, we do have a call from i think he said merv in marshfield a Okay. A little trouble with the uh, with the noise in the studio, but I think we've got a clear connection. Uh, a, a clear <laughs> You're not referring connection. to me, are no, you? No, no, no. It's uh, <laughs> no. There, we, I tell you, there are, there are gremlins with gray hair in this studio. <laughs> but I think I, I think I chased most okay. of them away. So let's talk to Mervyn Plainfield. Did you say Marshfield? Oh, Marshfield. Okay. You're on. Hello, Merv. Are you there? Okay, let's try one more time here. Okay. Are, Merv, are you there? You there, Merv? Nope. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> what did we, you do? No. <laughs> oh, I know how to work. Oh. There. All right. So uh, make sure you turn your radio off or way, way down if you call in on the on the telephone because otherwise we've... It squeals in our ears and and uh, causes lots of lots of feedback and makes it hard to hear. And uh, so, Merv, you there? I'm here. Hey, there you go. Well, welcome. Uh, Merv here, Marshfield. All right, buddy. What's going on? Um, the question has been bothering me for some time. Yep. I have a six by ten bed of horseradish. Yeah. And around the outside of it is uh, yellow dock. Yeah. And the leaf looks quite similar, only the yellow dock has a red vein down the middle. Okay. Now, anyway, I can get rid of that. It's a deep-rooted plant like horseradish. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, there's probably a, a, a couple of different simple ways to do it, and, and my preference would be to just take a black plastic and lay about two feet out around um, around the bed, you know, come out about two feet around that, that six by 10 bed and lay a, a, a black plastic. And then over the black plastic, I would put a, a, a regular landscape cloth, maybe even doubled up, come out two feet. And then over that, I would just cover it with a, a, a thick layer of, of bark mulch, you know, either, Oh, you know, cedar mulch, or if you happen to have some, uh, um, you know, some bark or, or some um, wood chips, you know, from uh, from one of the power lines, something like that. So it's good, good sturdy mulch over the top of that. Uh, not hay. You don't want to do hay because there's too much weed seed in that. And uh, you'd like to make it at least, you know, four, six, maybe even eight or ten inches uh, to kill this. Basically, what you're trying to do is choke that out. So the first thing is the black plastic because the black plastic will choke it. Um, the landscape cloth will, will help to hold the plastic down and then the, um, the bark mulch will, will keep it all together, you know, uh, laying down on the, on the ground and help to smother it all. And that's about the only way, unless you want to, you know, use a, a poison of some type, like a, you know, but th that's never my first choice. I wouldn't do that myself. I would, uh, you know, I would uh, choke it out. Would that work for you? Um, possibly. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, what what have, things have you tried? Pardon? What have you tried? I haven't tried anything only. Uh-huh. Uh, when I dig horseradish and get some of that, I throw it out. Oh, sure, yeah. But it, 
till there's root down in there, it'll come back up next year. Oh, good Lord. That's what I mean. You have to smother it. You have to absolutely kill it. And then, you know, if if you don't, of course, it's going to grow right into that bed. It's going to be just like any weed. It's going to look for, you know, the, the most fertile and the most, uh, you know, the easiest kind of soil to go through. So it's going to come right up with your horseradish. So that's why I say you go out two feet and try to kill it and smother it the best you can. And, and that's about your only real hope. I mean, if you feel really inspired, you could go through, mow it down, and then try to dig up as many of the heads, you know, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the root, you know, the roots. You could try to dig them up. But um, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of backbreaking work to do that. Yeah, because it's a long ways around that path. Oh, I know it. A long way around, and those roots are are pretty. I mean, they're deep. They go deep. Oh yeah, just like horseradish. Yeah, if you if you could only figure out how to eat the stuff, you'd you'd have a perennial crop like none other. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's your second option is to figure out how to eat it. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, smothering is about your best uh, best option besides poisons. And go two feet out. Okay. Okay, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call. So um, some of the garden chores that, that, that I list out, of course, is to is uh, I sprinkle ashes uh, um, on the snow, uh, snow-covered beds. And some of them I use actually black plastic. And funny, on the way here, on Route 2 from, from Montpelier, uh, I noticed a couple of garden beds that had black plastic on them and all the snow was gone. Um, pretty much most of the snow is gone everywhere, which is, which is good. But if you still have a lot and you're in a cold spot, then, then go ahead and, uh, you know, hasten things a little bit. That's a great, that's a great uh, uh, help to get things started. And um, let's see. I'm going to skip ahead of myself a little bit, and 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 and, and say this is that you're um, when you have a garden bed. What was that? Oh, okay. You got somebody? No, I was going to say it would would be a good opportunity to uh, take a break. <laughs> for uh, okay, when we come back, we'll start out with what is too wet. To plant. Is celebrating spring with Clausen Grown Annuals, Perennials, Vegetables, and Herbs. At Clausen's, you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts, and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full service flower shop. Print out your weekly coupons from Clausen's online at Clausen's.com. Spring is here at Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think spring. Think Clawson's. Hello, Ben Patson here from PR Lumber, Group 15 Walker. Our family owned sawmill has all the lumber for your next project. Rough and planed in dimensional sizes. Spruce, hemlock, pine, and cedar. In smooth four sides, V groove, shiplap, and tongue groove. Five quarter decking in cedar and tamarack. PR Lumber has pre constructed white cedar raised beds in stock. Be sure to check out our wide pine boards from 14 to 22 inches. Live edge planks available too. PR Lumber, Route 15 Walker, 472 6636. Monday through Friday, 7 to 4 30. Saturdays from 8 to noon. Our numbers are 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. Once again, here's Peter. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. So we're back. Um, so in in planting early, right, The and you'll see this on a lot of the uh, the 
packages, the seed packages, they, they have this little cryptic note, plant as soon as the soil can be worked. I don't know if you've ever seen that or scratched your head and said, what the heck does that mean? But um, the, the idea behind that is as soon as the soil can be worked is if the soil is too wet and you plant your seeds in it, it can rot your seeds or else it can smother them because it's so wet that it smothers the seeds. So what you're looking for is something that's, of course, moist, but not too wet. And the way to tell the difference between that is, is, is a real simple test. And this has, you know, um, been used to, for heaven only knows how long. But anyway, you take, a, you take a handful of soil and you just squeeze it, okay? And if you open your, your hand on that ball of soil and it stays compacted, it stays like a hard, like a lump, right? Like a lump of clay, it's probably too wet. If when you open your hand it crumbles or, or falls apart, then it's then it's okay to plant. Now I, I realize this is not you know uh, high tech science. You can of course get a moisture meter and all the other stuff, but you know after you've you've gardened for a while, you get a sense of really what's what's too wet and what's dry enough. The beauty of using a permanent raised bed for for your garden is that it dries out really quickly basically by the time the snow is gone it is you know the soil can be worked what happens in uh, say if you're using a rototiller and your soil is wet what it does is it actually spanks the soil it actually kind of makes a hard pan down you know four six eight inches down depending on how deep you're rototilling and it makes sort of a hard pan a hard crust down uh, you know just below the surface and that's not really good for for the soil structure or for you know for for anything so you don't want to get started in your garden if you're not using reds beds too early you know and then that's a that's a timing issue that you can you can get avoid by using a, a raised bed with you know with lots of peat moss and vermiculite and compost in it and uh, a real advantage um i was out uh last weekend and and i'll be out again after the show um in my raised beds and start planting and and uh, so that's um um that's how you tell when it's how you know as soon as the soil can be worked, that's that's how you can tell real easy. Um, so some of my other uh, my garden choice at this time of year, and there's you know so many things to do, but um, it's a great time of year to go ahead and uh, empty your compost bins. And uh, however you do that, where you dig it out of the bottom or roll them over and open it up, and I like to in a four by four bed, I put about a five gallon bucket of compost in each one of them, and that. That that uh, is um, is a is a great additive. You know, you empty your your all of your um, your compost bins out. I've got five compost bins that I use, um, and uh, one of them, of course, uh, this uh, fall, uh, the bear decided to come in and turn over and upside down and then roll it around all across the garden. <laughs> and that one is so bad, I'm going to have to replace it. Some, the other one was was fixable, but. Anyway, uh, compost bins. Uh, the next thing is, is, of course, to go through and, and uh, cut down and pull any weeds that, that have grown up and that maybe got ignored or, or have grown up over the, the fall and the, in the early spring here. 
and clean up everything, uh, particularly old stuff. Uh, a lot of diseases and bugs, uh, you know, live in the old uh, stems of, of plants, and it's always a good idea to clean them up if you didn't have a chance to do it in the fall. Pull it all out, put it in the compost pile, chop it up, and uh, <clears throat> that cleanup is, is real important for for the health of your garden and helps to keep down funguses, disease, and uh, and different types of uh, uh, bug predators that we don't like. And then this year I've got a lot of boxes that I have to have to uh, redo. Um, it's been almost 10 years since I've put in my original uh, four by four squares in one section. Um, another section I did a couple years ago, so those are all fine. And I figure six to ten years is about as much as you get out of a, an untreated wood, and I always use an untreated wood for my boxes, for my raised beds. Um, and the the same thing uh, would go with your containers. You know, if it's time to put your containers together and make sure there's water in the bottom of it and whatever you do. Um, uh, this is uh, also when I'll refresh the, the mulch in the pathways. I go through and I, I've got some uh, pathways to, to clean up. And, and uh, when I went up to look to see um, the asparagus to see if they were poking up yet, which they aren't, they're not up yet, I noticed that there, there was something, some, some weed had scattered seeds in the, in the bark in between um, in between my boxes and you could see this pattern of green it's almost like you could see how it just sprayed out and came down and there was just this carpet of little green tiny uh, green leaves little tiny starts there and uh, so this is a good time to go ahead and rake those all down and turn them over and and uh, uh, make sure you, that your your beds uh, your your permanent pathways are are uh, refreshed with and, and weeded and nice and clean and um, so the next thing that I like to do is is this time of year this is this is a good time of year to uh, um, do with a my annual fertilizing uh, for the for the beginning of the years I use uh, in my four foot by four foot bed um, I use a, a cup of um, uh, a good you know organic fertilizer um, I use the uh, ProGrow, which is a nice balanced mix, uh, and it's something that's that's actually manufactured here and in, in or mixed together here in Vermont, uh, North uh, uh, Northern Organics. It's uh, so I use a cup of that at North Country Organics uh, uh, ProGrow, and then a cup of um, uh, sea kelp meal, and uh, sea kelp meal has uh, lots of trace minerals in it and. And uh, that, for an organic gardener, is real important. And then I use a, um, a cup of uh, lime. And uh, the cup of lime, uh, you figure it's about a tablespoon per square foot in that 16-square-foot bed. You know, it's not a huge amount, but it does tend to keep that soil sweet. We have a slightly acid soil we tend to have. Um, and then I will use a cup of either rock powder or azomite which is something you can get from blue seal or agway uh, our sponsors and azomite basically is just a or is rock powder and again rock powder is uh, not only a soil um, additive for for the you know keeping the, the soil light and stuff it also adds um, uh, trace minerals as well and one of the uh, 
know, a lot of the soils over the years have been sort of depleted of trace minerals and, and the rock powders like azomite, A-Z-O-M-I-T-E. Uh, of course, somebody might, if you go into a blue seal, they might look at your cross-eyed for a minute because uh, it's, it, I'm sure they have it. They've had it for years, but the, the, the girl or guy at the counter might not know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so I do a cup of that. So that's a cup of fertilizer, a cup of sea kelp, a cup of lime, a cup of azomite. And I like to do that in each one of my beds and then just rake it in over the top. I don't, you don't have to turn it in or anything. It'll, you know, over the course of the, uh, the season with as much rain as we've had lately, no problem. It'll go right down in there. So um, if, if, of course, you're, you, um, you're using, um, you know, a tiller, this is the, you know, when it's dried out, this would be the time to go ahead and till your soil and get that all ready. Um, it might be a little bit wet yet now, but that's, you know, you can do the, the test there and see if it's, if it's dry enough, you can go ahead and till. With my raised beds, I just go through with a, with a rake. Matter of fact, I hate to admit it, but I have a kid's rake and it's, a, you know, a little yellow painted rake and it's about, oh, six inches and, I, and I'll sit down on the path and just sit there and rake it all out, make sure that all the weeds are out of there. And, uh... And that's uh, that's sort of the uh, the first beginning of the garden chores. At that point, you'll be ready to plant. Yep. And when we come back from break, uh, I'm going to just run through the the garden uh, the garden basics again. Just run through those, and then we'll go into what to plant today. Where do you find beautiful locally grown plants? At Montpelier Agway, of course. Their nursery is full of locally grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, and hanging baskets. Get three inch perennials, six for $22. Six pack annuals, six for $18. And four inch annuals, six for $30. They also have a large selection of three gallon blueberries, just $39.99. Montpelier Agway, locally owned. Route 2, Montpelier. This is Lisa from Grow Compost of Vermont. I'm dreaming of peas and radishes, flowers, and fresh tomatoes. Spring has arrived, and Grow Compost is here to nourish your organic garden. Pick some up or call to schedule a delivery today. Contact us to arrange food scrap pickup service for your business or organization. Find us on Route 2 in Moortown or contact us at growcompost.com. Grow Compost, exceptional local soil. You are listening to WDEV News Radio. A network of stations owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. 96.1 WDEV-FM, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243-AT Berry. 98.3 W252-CU Montpelier. Along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV-Waterbury Montpelier. And online at WDEVradio.com. And that is our signal that we are at the halfway mark of the first edition of In the Garden 2018. 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. And, Peter, we have a caller on the line. Okay. And we'll just say uh, good afternoon, your first name in town, and uh, you're on the air with Peter. Hi, Joel. This is Rich from Starksboro. Hey, Rich. Hi, welcome. welcome back. Well, welcome back yourself. <laughs> yeah, really glad you're on. 
Phil, kind of wish you could have a little bit more extended season, but it's nice to have you. What, what little time you do have for the season. Well, Ken's in the other room. Can you say that a little bit louder? <laughs> I said, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I wish you could have a little bit longer season, but. Uh, that's, that's okay. But I, uh, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm, I guess kind of get the joke now, but maybe I'll never hear it again. Anyway. Um, Speaking of longer seasons, sort of speaking of radishes, yep. um, like our, our, we didn't harvest uh, like our radishes, our carrots, and our beets until after your program was over yep. last year. And our carrots were maybe like five inches long at the most. They were pretty good diameter, and our our uh, we had golden beets, and they were pretty small, and and our radishes didn't do well. I was wondering. You might have any ideas on what what we can do i guess we could we didn't really get planted until june 15th that's probably a good recommendation there but i was wondering if there's some other things that we could do mm -hmm. to get better growth out of those vegetables, vegetables. well well um uh, a couple things come to mind but uh, let me just start out with the most important part is what variety were you planting there's a lot of varieties like a mocha uh, mocum or the yaya or um, other varieties that are just simply it, it will never be big you know so you want to select the variety for for if you want big carrots you gotta get a big carrot varieties uh, the Nantes will, is usually pretty good, you know, it's usually pretty good size. Um, the Bolero uh, is, is probably the largest carrot that I grow, which I really like for storage. And it'll be, you know, 10 inches long and maybe inch and a half to two inches around on a re pretty regular basis. Um, and that's that's where you want to start. You want to check to see which variety you have. Some varieties really are specifically for early small carrots. So no matter how long they grow or what kind of growing uh, conditions you have, they're never going to be big. So um, go back and check your packet and see you know see what it was supposed to be. So if and then if that's not the problem, if it is a, a supposed to be you know a ten inch carrot two inches around. Well, then the other uh, problem sometimes will be, you know, not having to simply enough time. Some carrots can be 90 days. Some carrots can be 40 days. You know, there's a, there's a huge uh, uh, a disparity between types of carrots. So if it's a 90-day carrot, well, that's pretty much in Vermont a full-season carrot, and you want to get them in the ground as soon as you can. Um, uh, that, you know, so that, that's one of the other issues is getting them in early enough. Um, and sometimes when, if it's, if it's hot, if we had a hot June and I'm trying to recall what June was like here, sometimes, uh, the heat will set them back a bit. Uh, carrots, uh, like, uh, like to their initial growth, they like a cool season. Um, but that's, you know, again, we want to choose a variety that, that works for our season. And a lot of times you go into to the store or, or you buy seeds and it's not really well adapted to our cold season or our, you know, uh, fairly mild temperatures during the summer. Then uh, after that, of course, for carrots especially, I don't know how you prepare your soil. I think you were said you were using boxes, you know, the, the raised beds. Yeah. Generally a raised Grid. Yeah. Okay. Square foot. Yeah, square foot grid, and uh, um, 
I have a couple of beds where I grow my uh, uh, my daikon radishes and my big carrots, and those are about a foot deep, because um, and and so uh, if you don't have a raised bed or if you have a raised bed that's six inches, then you want to make sure you you prepare that soil from six inches down, so that you need a good foot of of um, of nice friable soil to um, uh, to grow in. Um, and uh, a lot of my beds actually are not well suited for carrots because it's uh, six inches of soil on six inches of that perfect soil in the box. So once they hit the the old you know hard pan that's underneath them, uh, they don't they don't penetrate that too well. So in order to to get that work, then you have to prepare the soil another six inches deep, versus uh, you know a one foot box. Uh, um, you know, and then that that sort of takes care of that problem. So, soil preparation is important. Um, carrots, although are not considered a heavy feeder, um, do need a, 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 a you know a pretty high nitrogen. You know, they they need a good fertilizing before before you get started, and that could be an issue. And they also uh, don't like an acid soil, so you you know that's something you might want to check to make sure. Any of these things ring a bell with you, Rich? Well, um, yeah, we we probably didn't put enough ProGrow on, perhaps. And, <laughs> and our beds are nine inches deep. Uh, well, that um, should be a pretty good sized carrot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. that what uh, what did you fill your beds with? Um, tried to. I mean. I tried to skimp on creating my perfect soil, and I I used uh, I got a hold of some basic uh, mix all ready to go for, for raised beds versus sure. making it out of the three components. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that should be. But cool. what I'm going to add to it this year is I'm going to I didn't fill them up that deep, so I've got another couple inches to go. So I guess I could say I'm using seven inch beds. But yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to mix some perfect soil. And add it into it, I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I noticed that uh, that uh, um, oh, the uh, grow compost people have a, a a bag of stuff that they they recommend for containers and for raised beds. And uh, you could ask, you could talk to Lisa there, or you know, someplace you can get a mix to put it, you know, to put in there. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to go get a whole yard of. There you go. yard of, of <laughs> compost and buy some sphagnum peat moss yep and buy some vermiculite yep yep and put it all together yeah yeah, yeah. that's great and that that'll that should help you know if it's not but um uh yeah make sure you've got uh, plenty of that now and then the last thing is uh you know every plant is about 90 percent water uh, what was your watering routine did you water every week or every couple of you know couple of well, days or i guess i'm not remembering that well and my and my wife is motioning with a thumbs down on our watering uh probe, <laughs> so i guess we need to do better there <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, you know the water the I, a bit, I was wondering we've got we're going to try planting some english cucumbers the long skinny things oh yeah they're great can, can they go up on a trellis will oh they, absolutely will Absolutely, absolutely. Best way okay. to grow them, absolutely. And I, I okay. just, I had, 
uh, those are one of my favorite vegetables. You can pull those off the vine and, and uh, eat them like fruits, and they're just they're absolutely terrific. And the homegrown ones uh, have more flavor than anything you'll ever have. You, you're going to get spoiled completely. And uh, okay. I put um, eight vines on a four-foot trellis. Okay, that's a lot okay. of that's a lot of cucumbers. And uh, yeah. and then I grow a lot of the um, uh, the uh, you know your pickled cucumbers. And because uh, we use them both in our salads, you know they're the first ones to grow and the first ones to produce. And we use those in our salads as well, as, of course, to make to make pickles and stuff with too. But yeah, those English uh, cucumbers are uh, nothing better. Just you'll enjoy them thoroughly. Now, can I plant our our snow peas, snap peas, right in the same location where they were last year? Do I have to move them around? Or well, general practice, it's always good to rotate. Uh, with the legumes, it's not it's not a paramount problem, you know, and, and I've done it a few years in a row without seeing any particular problems. But, you know, with my trellises, just like my beds, I sort of have a, a rotation routine. You know, I plant my peas, I plant my tomatoes, you know, then I'll plant cucumbers and then I'll plant beans. And then, you know, so I have a rotation on, on all of my trellises. So, because I, you know, I trellis all of those things, and that's sort of my trellis rotation. And then I have a rotation that I use for my hoop houses, you know, with, yep. the, you know, peppers and basil and, you know, those kinds of things that I use a hoop house for. Now, theoretically, one could really stir their raised bed up to such an extent that you wouldn't need to rotate, right? Stir it up. What are you talking about, stir like, it up? Like you, you stir the soil around and mix and mix and mix your before you plant, you know, in the spring, well, you, you know, you just move, move it all around, stir, <laughs> stir it like for, put a half an hour into each raised bed with a, with a, you know, with a, uh, I call them dung forks or whatever, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Know, really, really. A pitchfork kind of light. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would take care of your need to rotate because you've moved that soil all around. It's all different than where it was last year. I, I've never heard anybody suggest that, so I I can't really tell you if that's true or not. Yeah. I mean, soil rotation is probably most important with things like uh, the coal family, broccolis, cabbages, um, you know, Brussels sprouts, kale, and and uh, collards those are those are probably the most important ones to rotate but the same thing is true with tomatoes tomatoes are important to you know there's the different wilts and um, blights and stuff like that that affect tomatoes it's that's all soil born um, you could I would be more inclined to and a lot of people use what they call a solarization where they take a piece of black a plastic or clear plastic and put it on the, um, you know, put it on the bed and solarize it, which is, you know, uh, does more to, to, to um, uh, kill the, uh, kill the little bugs and stuff in there that, and diseases uh, that. That would go on now, or that would go on now, yeah, before you plant, for a good, okay. good week where we get some sunshine and that would solarize it. Um, as far as stirring it around, I'm not so sure that would that would work but uh you know in the garden unless you're doing a huge crop you know of of one thing in the garden you you know it's it's not uh it's not a a, a big problem usually but i've had a problem with um 
with my broccolis and stuff with the with the uh, the root maggot. So I really do have to watch where I plant them. That's a big that's a big problem for me. So I'm pretty you know I have my map that I check every every year to make sure that I'm three years you know at least three years out. And um, so I would I would prefer to go that way, but you know. If you're not going to, if you're not going to move and you're going to plant you know, year after year, then, you know, try the solarizing. And that would be a better approach, I think. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Peter. I know I'm <laughs> using up my welcome here, so I appreciate all the time you've given me. And thanks a lot, Joel. And, yeah, well, and call again. Back. Glad to have you folks with us again. Thank you very much, thank Rich. You. Yeah. Take, yeah, take care now. Take care now. Yep. Okay, well, let's go to a break, I guess, for for um, and then when we come back, uh, if we don't have a call, we'll we'll go into what to plant today. We sell quite a few of the breeds at the store when we have our chick days in the in the spring. You put an order in, and you go pick them up. We've taken the grandchildren with us before to pick them out. We have about probably around 15 chickens. Me and my sister take care of all the animals. For introduction to dealing with a farm animal, chickens have got to be one of the best ways to go. They're actually very easy to take care of. Chick days have arrived, so print order forms online and bring them to any guy's farm and yard location, including our newest store in St. Albans. If you think about shopping where you can find everything you need, local foods, beers, wines and cheeses, local produce and breads and groceries, a full hardware department, clothing and footwear that are the best names and quality, the cheapest gas around, and housewares, think no further than the family-owned Willie's Store in downtown Greensboro. Willie's brand spices, meats and seafood, gardening and sugaring supplies. If Willie's doesn't have it, you certainly can get along without it. The Willie's Store across from Caspian Lake in Greensboro, like them on Facebook. 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255 for the final segment of uh, In the Garden 2018, edition number one. Here's Peter. Well, we must be having a lot of fun because the time really has flown by. I can't believe we're on a... Anyway, um, so uh, the just to run through the garden basics so that if next week you have a question on them, you can call me. Garden basics are... Permanent bed, permanent pathways, perfect soil, grid planting, and trellises. So if you have any questions on any of those things about uh, about garden basics, uh, make sure you, you write it down or else call now, one way or the other. Um, so what can we plant today? What, what are we going to go home and do? What are you going to go out in the garden and plant? Well, there's, there's just a lot of things. Anything in your seed packet that says that as soon as the soil can be worked, you can plant. So that's all the different types of lettuces. And I actually, when I plant my lettuces, I'll plant, um, you know, at least six or, or a dozen, you know, plant starts. I picked mine up at the co-op uh, yesterday. I'm going to put them in the ground. And then I also, at the same time, plant seeds. So... Uh, the seeds that I'll be planting, of course, is peas, and I like the sugar snap. They're my favorite. I love the flat potted because I use those to fry up. Um, I'll probably wait a little while before I do my garden peas, but my wife has always insisted you have to plant some garden peas. But um, So those are, um, those are some things to plant. Um, also, the the wonderful uh, mescaline mixes, and, and I, I can't emphasize how 
how important those uh, mixes are to keeping a steady supply of greens for your salads all all spring. Um, get them in the ground just as soon as you can. And there's usually a couple of different types of mescaline. Mescaline is sort of a is a, is a broad uh, category of a mix of greens that are all planted together and harvested together. So there's a lettuce mescaline, which is all different kinds of lettuce. There's a spicy mescaline, which is, you know, mustard greens and, and arugula and those kinds of things that are that are kind of have a little hotness to them. And, uh, you know, so there's a bunch of different mescalines. I would say buy a package of each and try one. I just plant a, four, a one by a one foot square of each one of them. So those are the, that's a great way to start out. You know, you just broadcast the seed in that one, one foot square. And, uh, you know, try three or four different varieties. So you can do that today if you want. Radishes, radishes and more radishes, you know, plant a couple of three different varieties. You know, of course, the, the red uh, cherry, cherry radishes. And then the, I like the, the, the white icicle ones. Those are terrific. And they, they actually uh, grow really well at this time of year. Um, I will plant, of course, as I said, the lettuces, a leaf lettuce. And then I also like a butter crunch. And those are really good in the first thing, for first of the year. They're, they're very hardy. And actually within uh, about three weeks, you can start to pick out our outside leaves and, and have a salad just from those outside leaves. Also, um, there's a lot of, uh, of varieties that, that are probably not well known, but they are really good producers at this time of year. Um, there's some of the Chinese uh, greens like uh, Tatsoi, excellent, uh, fast growing and, and uh uh, makes uh, a deep, dark, round leaf that, that is nice in a salad. Uh, miner's lettuce, otherwise known as Claytonia, um, very hearty and cold. Uh, it's delicious, has almost a succulent stem, um, very good. Uh, and that was something that Ed turned me on to years ago, and I've always <clears throat> cursed at him saying that he had me plant a weed in my garden <laughs> because once you plant Claytonia, you may never have to plant it again. <laughs> it comes up all over the place, but uh, that makes it easy. Um, then also the uh, corn salad, which is called uh, mache, I think is, is, is what's, and that's a, uh, um, a good green, delicious for a salad. It has sort of a meaty leaf and almost a, uh, almost a fuzzy texture, but it's it's very delicious and good for a salad. So we have um, uh, baby kale. You can plant for um, you can plant uh, kale, kale real close. You know, not for your not for your big leaf, but just baby kale in a row. Uh, leeks you can grow all your all your onions. You know, get the little onion sets, and then I like to grow them mostly for scallions for for salads. So you can pull those and and uh, you know just plant a, a dozen or so of those. I'd I'd do uh, sixteen in a four in a in a one foot square. Sixteen every three inches, so it's sixteen four rows of four. Um, and those are those are always welcome. Uh, you can plant uh, turnips now. Turnips are as soon as your uh, the soil can be worked. Turnips are great, and you can eat the greens if you if you get real anxious for for greens. Purslane. Um, I don't know if you've ever 
seen it, but uh, out in Ohio, where 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 uh, my dad had a farm out there, you, it was there were just carpets of purslane in between the the rows, and never knew what it was. We always just sort of weeded it out. But it turns out it's actually a very delicious salad green, um, radicchio and uh, escarole, both uh, bitter greens. But uh, the radicchio is a bright red, sort of cabbagey looking leaf. And um, I, the radicchio always reminds me of talking to uh, Richard Wiswall at Cape Farm. And he said when he first started to farm uh, that he grew this uh, radicchio and he tried it. And it was so bitter. He was like, oh, man, what am I doing wrong here, you know? <laughs> and uh, uh, he talked to, happened to talk to one of the chefs in town. And he was like, no, no, that's perfect. That's exactly what we want. So radicchio is a, is a good one to plant now. And then, of course, all your mustard greens, um, uh, nice spicy mustard greens. Uh, those are very hardy, and they'll take right off before you know it. You'll be picking uh, mustard greens. Oh, oh, how could I forget? Arugula. Arugula now. Oh, man. Uh, it's it's one of those things. Uh, arugula is a cut and come again, and and the smaller you cut it, the better it is. Once it starts to, you know, it gets up a foot or two high, it starts to flower, and and it gets a little bit hard to to work with. Um, actually, dill. If you plant seeds of dill right now, they come up, and even though they say they have to be planted after the first frost, I've noticed on a few places that it's just not so. Dill grows very well in cold weather, and and it is also a wonderful green. I mean, a terrific green for the salad and um, and let's see is that a, that's about my list I think let me just check see if there's anything else I forgot um, and maybe so oh spinach how can I forget spinach oh my god <laughs> uh, spinach plant all kinds of spinach now uh, my favorite way to plant spinach of course is to plant it in the fall so that right now you'll see it coming up and uh, I, I have this wonderful picture of the spinach plants coming right through the, uh, growing right up through the snow. And uh, that, that spinach, the fall planted spinach is without a doubt the sweetest, most, uh, most delicious uh, spinach you can ever have. But, so, <clears throat> but if you didn't plant it last fall, then definitely plant some spinach now and plant, you know, as many different varieties as you, as you can, maybe a square or two. And then the last thing uh, that I can think of right now is the is uh, what they call perpetual spinach, which actually is a Swiss chard, but it has a much more uh, tender and sweeter leaf than than regular old chard. So even as it grows up, you know, to six or eight inches, it makes a wonderful salad, just a delicious salad. And it's just like regular chard; it's cut and come again, and you'll, you know, you can you can uh, um, harvest off of that for quite a few weeks during the summer. And I guess that's about it for today. I think that's about all I can think of that you could plant today. Uh, outside, outside, of course. Anything else, Joel, that you can think of? Well, I start my plants uh, indoors. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, uh, I always have to... Uh, um, you know, like my my pumpkins for the mm -hmm. for granddaughter, and, mm -hmm. and uh, so I I got the grow light and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so that's that's pretty much what I'm doing. And uh, the only thing that I would add is that if you're, you know, growing from your little peat pots, four inch pots, <laughs> I 
I've had such trouble with the smaller ones and, and even my my sunflowers, which I have to start inside because of the birds. Yeah. Yeah. Four yeah. inch four inch pots. Give them something to grab onto. Give them, yeah. 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 The smaller ones. I learned the hard way. Yeah. Yes, uh, uh, growing sets is uh, is is quite the art form. A lot of fun. Very satisfying. Um, but it, it does take a, a fair amount of equipment. You do have to have lights, that's for sure. But that's all I can think of for planting outdoors today. And, uh, um, of course, uh, uh, I did go out and the uh, rhubarb is up. The the red crowns of the rhubarb. Yeah, did, did you notice them up? Yeah. yeah you... And I have in my backyard... Uh... The uh, fi fiddlehead ferns, oh. which I which I actually mm. started about ten years ago, mm -hmm. brought three or four plants just to see if they'll mm -hmm. grow. And I have about oh maybe fifteen feet by thirty feet patch <laughs> on the back of the house, and I've noticed a little bit of activity poking their heads. Uh, yeah. Uh, through it, just starting. Just starting, right? just yeah. Well, it, they it's seem to. Early, but it's just starting. They seem to run uh, sort of parallel to the rhubarb. Uh, last week the rhubarb was just red crowns, and this and and this morning when I went out there were just these little tiny oh about inch or two real crinkly leaves just coming up on either side of the red crown. So I yeah. can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I love rhubarb. Yeah, rhubarb yeah. and last year's frozen strawberries. I make all kinds of concoctions. Oh yeah, now yeah. now what kind of a concoction are you talking about? Uh, strawberries, rhubarb. Well. <laughs> I I used I used to make it back in my fraternity days because we had so much rhubarb yeah. in the backyard at Middlebury and uh, um, we would have canned strawberries at that at the time. Mm -hmm. and I would make my what I what my grandmother called strawberry rhubarb compote, but which my fraternity brothers called Joel's strawberry rhubarb compost. <laughs> but in, in spite of their appellation, it, it was absolutely delicious. So what I've done is I've frozen strawberries local strawberries and they from the past season and uh, put an awful lot of strawberries in with the rhubarb it is absolutely delicious you can put it over ice cream or just eat it you know? <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready well i ha i have uh one um uh, uh well i've got one recipe for rhubarb that we'll will i'll go back to after the break okay all right these are the sponsors that make this program possible. And Stop in and mention you were listening to In the Garden with Peter Burke on WDEV. Get a load of the racks at Linda's Apparel. A tradition of ladies' clothing continues in downtown Virgins at Linda's Apparel and Gifts. Spring is in full bloom with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around soft, eye-catching pastels, effervescent splashes of color, simple to essential, graceful lines and functional comfort. Freshen up what's in your closet for the warmer days ahead at Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. Hi, this is Tiffany from Menard Zagway. We have some great deals going on until April 29th. From our best price on Gromax topsoil and three cubic foot bags of natural cedar mulch, three for $9.99, to $2 off any 30-pound Taste of the Wild dog food and three packs of Frontline Plus for just $39.99. So stop in this weekend for these deals and more. Our greenhouses are starting to fill up too. Menard's Zagway, your yard, garden, and pet place open seven days a week brooklyn street morrisville refill that gas grill tank while you're here for just 12.99 and with uh, some final thoughts on this week's program here's peter <laughs> okay 
Well, um, I was sort of left in the middle of the rhubarb there. My wife makes a rhubarb leather. We have a, a dehydrator, you know, Excalibur dehydrator. And she mixes up a, a rhubarb with uh, strawberries and a, um, a, a packet of Jello. Uh, oh my goodness! And uh, she lays that uh, with a with a little bit of sugar, of course, and uh, then uh, uh, puts it in the blender. And it's uh, they she puts it on the Teflon sheets in the dryer, and uh, then it makes this leather, and uh, and it is so delicious. It's got that tartness and sweetness, and uh, we have never ever been able to keep it. You know, we keep thinking this will be enough for, you know, to get us through the winter. And somehow or another, by Christmas, it's all gone. And uh, no matter no matter what, of course, she's our own worst enemy because anybody walks in the door, she sends them out with a, with a packet of rhubarb, <laughs> strawberry rhubarb leather. But uh, after we made it the first year, we had the, this one uh, one crown of uh, rhubarb she was so enthusiastic we ended up dividing it and we now have um 10 crowns of uh-huh. rhubarb <laughs> and, uh, so we have enough rhubarb to uh to feed a small army for sure and this is a variety that we happen to get from a friend and i swear i mean the stems on the rhubarb are at least two inches across wow. and they're a good oh well, 20, 30 inches tall. I mean, it is the most vigorous rhubarb I've ever seen. And well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try that that leather recipe. I I love my dehydrator. I use it for oh, a lot of things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, this past year I I did melons. Uh, oh, you know, a number of I I, oh, I took absolutely. some honeydew mel- melons and just chopped it up and dehydrated it. It was like candy. Absolutely. And uh, I have one of the original Ronco. Ron, oh, remember Ron really? Popeil? <laughs> Set it and forget it. One of those Ronco uh, dehydrators, but it still cranks right along. Uh, the yeah. house just smells lovely. Oh, wonderful. You know, yeah. No oh, what you're, it, you're dehydrating. And and when the cantaloupes come in, you know, we get a we'll get a a crate of. And and uh, I'll, it's just like the honeydew. It's uh, it's like a, a nectar, and um, we always sort of pair it with cashew, fresh cashews, and it makes a. It's like a dessert, really. You know, you you can't get any better than that. I love them, and I I, I like to think they're good for me too. <laughs> well, of course they're good for you. Of course. <laughs> I, um, so uh, well, anyway. This has been uh, it's so exciting to get back into the garden, and uh, uh, please join us uh, uh, the next uh, you know next week with your questions and uh, problems or comments or your favorites, the things you like to grow or recipes for rhubarb, <laughs> all that, and uh, um, we will be back with lots of more information. I'll run through. Uh, I've got a whole season planned, and so we'll have lots of fun. In the garden, 
has been brought to you by The Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full service florist in Colchester. Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By Grow Compost, compost soils, mulches, and more. On Route 2 in Waterbury, growcompost.com. By PNR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Walkett. By Menards Agway, your yard and garden and pet place, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist, Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements on Route 302 in Barrie, and right there, Taste of the North. Find them online at tasteofthenorth.com. By Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, and captivating collections of ladies' fashions, right there in, on Main Street in Virgins. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, and terrific selection, Route 302 in Barry, And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more, Route 2 in Montpelier. Be sure to join us again next Saturday at 12.30 during the noon hour for In the Garden with Peter Burns. Row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All